It is my joy to see you. I'm glad you got up, dressed up, and showed up. And uh, those who are in your pajamas still in your living rooms, again, uh, happy Sabbath, and glad you joined us over the internet. It is my joy to also greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, as the stress levels are still up there in our society, and pandemic takes a toll, what do we need to remind ourselves? What should be our priorities for 2021? Almost a month is already gone. January is almost over. I'd like to look together with you at a similar story from the Gospel of Luke and see if we can if we can find uh, simple lessons in that story, let us pray. Lord, as we open your word, I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts and be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's go to the scripture, Luke 10, and verses 38 through 32. I have it here on the screen for you, but if you'd like to open it in your Bibles or your device, uh, go ahead. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village... And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered to her, answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, or one thing is needed. Mary has chosen a good portion or a good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, Bethany is the name of the place, and Bethany translates as the house of figs. That's the name of the village. Obviously, they, they were growing a lot of figs. When I was in, in Palestine there in, in, in Israel, they gave us their honey to, to, to kind of sample. Uh, and it's interesting that, uh, that their honey is predominantly made out of figs. It's a figs honey. It's really good taste with, with a special flavor. Um, so it was called the House of Figs. Bethany was a little village two miles east from Jerusalem on the road to Jericho, a place often mentioned in New Testament, Bethany. And it was near the Mount of Olives. So east of Jerusalem, near Mount of Olives, it was more like a suburb of the big city. It was a hometown of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The house of Simon the leper was also there in Bethany. Now Jesus stayed in Bethany before his final week, just before the crucifixion. And in that vicinity of, of Bethany, also Jesus commissioned his disciples to, to go and preach the gospel, and he ascended um, to heaven in the vicinity of Bethany. So the story takes place when Jesus came to Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication. It was a special festival of lights. It was a special feast mentioned in the Gospel of John. Uh, lasted for eight days, 
It was a commemoration of the rededication of the temple after it was desecrated. Um, so it was the Feast of Lights, and there was a great festival. There was lots of people, big crowds of people everywhere. Now, if you saw Jesus in church, would you invite him for lunch? Would you worry about your lawn that is not perfect? Would you worry about the dust under the furniture and stuff, random socks in the house? Would you, would you worry about all kinds of stuff in your house that is not quite perfect? Would you invite Jesus for lunch? See, when I visited Capernaum, which was a, a little town where Jesus spent uh, quite a bit of his um, uh, life when he, was, when he was here, they showed us the houses of people. And they didn't have many rooms. Usually the kitchen, the living room, and the bedroom was just one space. Everything was just w one space and very small space. So those houses were not really equipped for, for having guests. But we read here in this story that Martha... It says that uh, she welcomed him in her house. Here's my first lesson that I'm learning from this story. The first lesson is the, that hospitality is a style. Hospitality is, is, is something that I just can't miss it here. It's right there. Martha welcomes Jesus, and possibly more than just Jesus, there were some other disciples with him, and so she opens her little house, and she welcomes people into her house. See, things that happened in 2020, they crippled us as a church, because um, we as Linwood Church, we place high priority in fellowship and meals together, amen? That's why we remodeled our, our basement there, we expanded the space, and uh, <clears throat> we are clear of debt. There is no debt, and uh, it's, it's beautiful. But we still can't really, can't really meet there. But it's in our hearts. It's in our desire to have meals together. If you read about um, the early church in New Testament, there are two verbs describing the church in the New Testament. First verb in Greek is keruso. Kiruso translates as proclaiming, preaching, sharing the message. So they were out on the squares, on the city squares and public places, proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ. That was their function. But there is other verb that is quite significant in New Testament, and that verb is koinonia. Koinonia. Koinos is the household or a family uh, fellowship. It's, it's like a little community, koinos. Koinonia is gathering and, and meeting and, and, and fellowshipping. And so it was the lifestyle of the, of the New Testament church. So this story reminds me that welcoming people in your home and my home is something, is something that Christians do. It's a lifestyle of a Christian. It's a gift, a gift worth sharing. Whether the place is pristine and decorated to perfection or not. Never mind unfinished projects, dusty floors, any other things that are not quite finished. Hospitality is a style. It's a lifestyle of a Christian. 
And we need to ask a question, even during this time that is kind of uncertain, what is, uh, we're usually asking the question, what is the worst thing that could happen? Shouldn't we ask a question, what is the best thing that could happen? What is the best thing that could happen when we open our homes and, and invite people still? I know we're waiting until we get more freedoms to do that. Aren't you anxious to, to rethink um, and, and do more in terms of opening our homes and inviting people in? In the, in the Galatians, Paul is, is talking about this. He says, we have therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Again, the same word, koinonia, is used here, household of faith, a fellowship. We are the family. Let me say it again. We are one family. Amen. Um, do you know the names that are used to call, to call believers in New Testament? The first name that would come to my mind is we are called Christians. Believers were called Christians. Do you know how many times in the Bible believers are called Christians? Three times. Believers are called Christians. The other name that the Christians or believers were called was saints. Now, how many times is that in New Testament? 31 times. 31 times the believers are called saints. There is a word that Christians and believers were called 318 times. I just checked. 318 times. Guess what name that is or what believers are called 318 times in the New Testament? Brothers. And sisters, <laughs> brothers and sisters, we are a family. And I, as, I was, as I was thinking about this lesson number one, that Christianity is a, is a style of, of hospitality, I, I realized that I'm here today because of the hospitality. What brought my parents to the church? Yes, they believed Adventist message. Yes, they believed the preaching of the gospel. But guess what? It was the hospitality of the family that invited them after Sabbath worship service, they didn't go home. They were invited to somebody's home. As new visitors, as new people that came to the church, they were invited to somebody's home. And they started, you know, getting to know other people. They shared the meal together. They had, they had some good borscht. And they had some uh, good, uh, good mashed potatoes with gravy. And they had some good salad. And then they had little buns with poppy seed inside and cherries inside. And, and everything smelled so wonderful. And there was such a happy atmosphere in the home. No, the home was not perfect. But what did they feel? They felt love. They felt, we are a family. Now we are, we are just one family. We're truly one family because we share the meal together. And that was a, probably a point of decision in their life. They decided, we want to be part of this family. Lesson number one I'm learning from this, this story is the hospitality is the style. Hospitality is, is the style. I remember when I was serving in the army and I was uh, stationed in Crimea, there was a church in Yalta, Adventist church, still is, um, 
a little congregation, maybe 30, 35 people, um, mostly elderly people. And as a soldier, I could not get away from the, from the base quite often, but if I could, I tried to go on Sabbath uh, to the church in Yalta. I knew where it was, um, and so I remember one time I went to the church, and I, I enjoyed being... Um, you know, part of the worship service and everything, but I was super hungry, like every soldier was, was hungry um, in, 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 my, in my country, like super hungry. Um, I didn't have breakfast, and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to invite me to, for lunch, because this is the church, and I know that we as home, we, we practiced hospitality, we, we tried to invite as often as we could people to our home, because my mom was, uh, was a very hospitable person. She loved people. And so I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to invite me because I'm so hungry. Um, and I'm a soldier. I'm, 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 I'm standing out, you know, in the society. I'm not blending in. I'm in a uniform and everything. And so every, all the families are leaving one by one. Everybody's leaving. And there is nobody left, basically. Everybody left. And I, I'm left. And I, what do I do? I catch the bus. By the evening, I'll be back to the unit. I'm even more hungry than now. Um, so what do I do? I see there is, there is one lady, and she, she comes to me. She's a, she's a widow. And she says, did nobody invite you? I said, no. She said, come to my home. I'll give you lunch. Um, you want to come to my home? I said, sure. So we walked like for 45 minutes uphill all the time. So we walked to her house, and I'm, I'm anticipating, as, as we are walking, I'm anticipating, oh, we're going to have a warm like soup and, and, and bread and, and there will be a smell of food. I'm just imagining, you know, all of this. And, and we come to her house and she has little apartments. So we get on the stairs and we climb the stairs into little apartment and she opens the door and she invites me to her apartment and she says, you can wait in the living room. I'll get something ready in the kitchen. So I waited in the living room and uh, not long um, after that, she says, okay, you can, you can come in and we, we're going we're gonna to have lunch. And as I walked in the kitchen, I was a little bit surprised um, because all she had was a, a little piece of a dark bread that was cut and, and one tomato that she cut in half. So she gave me half of the tomato and she kept one for herself. She didn't have even butter, just the dark bread and one tomato. That was her lunch for Sabbath that she wanted to share with me. And, and we sat there, we prayed, and we ate bread and salt and tomato. It was very little, but I felt like we're still one family. I felt that she cares. I felt that she loves me, and I felt like she didn't let me go by myself. She wanted to share her lunch. You know, hospitality is not about... Um, big meal. Hospitality is not about many dishes. <laughs> Hospitality is about connecting with people. And I just want to show that perspective to you because I think as a church, we are losing it. Especially with COVID and stuff, we are losing it even more. So I pray, and I have a dream, like Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream that we as a church will be a church that has this gift of hospitality. Can you say amen to that? All right, lesson number two. Uh, we keep going. Uh, and it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. Oh, 
other translators say, with many things. She was distracted or worried about many things. Of course, she needed to, to do something here at the stove she was still making, and then she was finishing decorating the cake or whatever, and then uh, she had to set up a table, uh, if, if she had a table. Uh, so she was worried about many things, and, and it says, uh, and she went up to him, that's to Jesus, and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So the tension is building up. As one person is, is working hard and doing a lot of things, and you can see it on Martha's face. It's getting red, <laughs> and she's on a mission. She's checking stuff in the oven. She's running around the room, and Mary is just sitting there, maybe being in the way even. Definitely, she's frustrated. And she says, Lord, do you see how many people I need to feed? feed, And I get zero help from my sister. Lord, do you care? Can you tell her to get up and help me? I think we live in the world of Martha's. We need to get things done. I'm pretty sure you know Martha, or you are seeing that in yourself. When Martha goes on vacation, she takes her laptop with her, or he takes his laptop with her. And every moment he has is checking email, responding, because if she or he would not do that, the world would stop. <laughs> the world would stop. <laughs> now, Martha's have no patience if some people want to talk and talk and talk. Their question is, give me a bottom line. What, what, do you, what did you want to say? See, Mary's, they are like, um, they would talk and they would go into all the details and describe everything in detail. And they just like to savor uh, every part of the story. And Martha's like, I can't stand it. <laughs> Can you tell me what, what did you want to say? I think I live with Martha. Anyway, she still loves me, and I love her. <laughs> well, the world, would, the world wouldn't. See, the point Martha is making, hey, if I wasn't working, Jesus would go hungry, right? So we need Martha's, right? We need those Martha's. They, they do make this world keep going, and they do a lot of, a lot of things that we appreciate. What is the second lesson here? See, the story is not about one person being good and another person is, person is being bad. The, the, the point of the story is that we are all different. We're all different. Some people say today, left brain, right brain, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but we're all different. And especially like when I look at the world today, with masks, no masks, with all the stuff going on in the political world, uh, we make observations we have never been so divided as a country. And, uh, and the things trickle down into the churches, too, and in society. So how do we handle this stuff? How do we handle this stuff? We need to understand that we are all different, but we are God's children. Amen? We're all God's children, and God loves us. He created us different. 
what is the lesson here? We need to show more kindness. We need to show kindness. We need to show kindness to those who differ from us in, in their political views and all kinds of things and, and, and religious views, you name it. Let us be kind. Let us be patient. Let us be understanding and trying to, to have that patience with other people that are different from us. Isn't that what the Lord wants us to show? When the tensions are growing in your marriage, in your family, be kind. Be patient. We are all different. But let us show, let us show kindness. Let us show love and care. See, I believe there is a reason why this story is right here in Luke chapter 10. Because just before it, the rich young ruler is asking Jesus the question, you know, who can enter your kingdom and what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers his question by the parable of the Good Samaritan. So what is the focus of the parable of the Good Samaritan? Now, the priest didn't do anything. And the Levite didn't do anything. Who did the work? It was the Good Samaritan who did the work. We need people who do the work. So the focus of the story that Jesus is telling the rich young ruler is that we need to be involved. The work needs to be done. Minister needs to do their preaching. Deacons need to do their work. All the teachers and, and, and different ministers of the church, they are very important. But then Jesus goes to this story about Martha, who's being distracted with many, many things. And she's even distracted with much serving. I think this story applies to ministers more than to anybody else. We can be so consumed in serving and preparing to serve us, uh, to, to, to deliver the message and other things, that we are distracted with many things. And so Jesus is bringing this story right after he emphasizes work and he says, look, this is Martha. She is distracted with many things. But in order to be effective, you need a balance. In order to be serving effectively, you need to have a balance. You need to have something else. Yes, the story here is coming right at the time to emphasize that we ministers, everybody here, all of us being different, we need that time alone, quiet time with Jesus. Lesson number one. Hospitality is the style. Lesson number two. We're all different. Let us be kind. Lesson number three, the path of peace begins with one thing, which we all need. The path of peace begins with one thing, what we need. It says here, but the Lord answered to her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha has has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. My question to you, are you anxious and troubled with many things or you are spending your quiet time with Jesus?
Jesus says one thing is needed. Turn to your neighbor and say, one thing is needed. One thing is needed. In 2021 for Linwood Church, one thing is needed. In 2021 for me and my family, one thing is needed. Or one thing is necessary. What is that one thing? See, many who profess to be the followers of, of, of Christ have anxious and troubled heart. Especially in the world today. Even those who believe in Christ, they can have anxious and troubled heart. So one thing is needed. What is that? Watch more news, correct? What is the one thing that is needed? What is the one thing that you need in your life in 2021? Some commentator says that one thing that is needed that Jesus is mentioning here is that he's talking about one dish. Because Mary wanted to have a 12-course meal. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, you know, Martha, no, Martha wanted to have a 12-course meal. And Jesus is saying, you know, Martha, just one thing would be enough. But no. Context shows us right here that he is not talking about, about food. He says Mary has chosen a good portion, which is connecting this one thing and good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What was her por portion? It says she was sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening. Actually, it says receiving his word. There is a difference between listening and receiving. So she's sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's receiving his word. I don't know about you, but I need that. Spending time with Jesus. Now, did you notice Mary's response to Martha's accusation? She's accusing her, talking to the Lord, basically blaming Jesus too. What was her response? Did you notice her response? Did she roll her eyes? Did she, <laughs> did she get up and says, can you please shut up? <laughs> Go do your own thing. Well, what was her response? <laughs> There's no response. How would I respond if I would get accused? How do we respond when we get accused? She didn't say anything. Right. She didn't say anything. Because she's spending time with Jesus. And it's already transforming her. When we spend time with Jesus, it will change the way we respond to, to the things in the world. It will change the way we respond to, to the conflict or anything that will come across your life in 2021. Mary, <laughs> she didn't respond. She's a new person already. She's being changed. See, that spending time with Jesus is the secret of getting new life. Do you want to be a new person? It's a spending time with Jesus that is one thing that is needed in my family, in my life, in your family, in your life. One thing. See, good things can be enemies of the best. Good things can be enemies of the best. When I read this Mark 
3.14, the verse that talks about Jesus calling his disciples to himself, I used to think that he, um, he elected and called 12 disciples for one purpose. I thought so. And you know why he called them, right? Why did he call 12? So he can send them out to preach. That was my understanding. Let us look at the text. It says, he appointed 12 from whom he also named apostles. For what reason did he call them? So that they might be what? With him. <gasps> A first purpose. Why you and I are here. Is that we could be with him. And then it says that he might, <laughs> if, if they will spend enough time with him, then they will be ready to do the work that they need to do. But he didn't call them to send them on a mission, hey, you guys go and do the work. He called them so they would spend time with Jesus. How powerful is that? He called you and me for the same purpose. Guess what? Because he's not as much worried about saving the world as much as he is worried about saving you and me. Because he loves you and me so much. That's why he wants to, us to, to show that balance that is needed. Yes, the work is needed to be done. Thank you, Natasha. <laughs> They should have called you Martha. <laughs> we were talking about names in Sabbath school today. But that one thing is needed. Spending time, spending time with Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Did Mary ever serve? That's a good question. As we keep reading through the Gospels, we come to the time when there was a feast in the house of Simon, the leper. Ah, did Mary ever served? Ah, what did she do? She spends one year's salary on one act of service. Wow! How could she do that? By spending time at the feet of Jesus. That transformed her service. You see? And the act of service that she performed, Jesus says, it will be mentioned everywhere where a gospel is preached. We just fulfilled that prophecy. So it's not that the people who are spending time of, with Jesus will not be producing a fruit. Their fruit will last through eternity. And their fruit cannot be even measured. The gift that Martha, that Mary gave cannot be measured in, in, the, in the monetary um, value because it continues giving when we share this story it begins to be replicated in your life and my life after we spend time with Jesus. 
See, I can go on a mission trip. I can stand before the people. I can do the work of evangelism. But what will produce a fruit in people's lives? Is that, a, is that depends on the amount of work that I'm putting in, or it will depend on the Holy Spirit able to work through me and reach the hearts of people in the way that I could never do? How does it work? It works only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. One thing is needed is the Holy Spirit in your life and my life so we can produce a fruit for the glory of God and for his kingdom here at Linwood. My friends, in 2021, one thing is needed. So there was a professor that was teaching a lesson, and it was in business management and the time management. And so... He took a jar, you probably know the story, he took a, a, a jar and, and, and some big rocks and he put the rocks in, in, into the jar and he asked his students, is it full or empty? They said, yeah, it's full. So he grabs some pebbles and some gravel and he starts pouring between the rocks and uh, he's asking the same question, is it full or empty? And they, oh yeah, now we got it, it's not, it's not full. Okay, you're right, it's not full. So he grabs some sand and he pours more sand, and it goes, trickles down, and he's asking the question again. Again, is it empty or full? Well, they, are, they know his trick, so they say, no, it's not full. So he grabs a jar of water and starts pouring into, the, into this jar uh, filled with rocks and pebbles and gravel and sand, and the water goes down and fills the thing. And he says, okay, students, what is the lesson of this illustration? What did you learn? And one eager beaver, he raises his hand and he knows, he knows what to say and always knows what to say. <laughs> so he says, your illustration just makes a good point. No matter how my schedule is full, there is always time for one more thing. <laughs> there is always time for something else. Isn't that the way we live our lives? We always try to push more things into our schedule. And so the, the, the professor says, no, that's not the point of the lesson. The point of the lesson is, if you don't put those big rocks first, you will not be able to put them in later. What are those big rocks in your life and my life? Well, Jesus identifies one of them. He says to Martha, you are worried and distracted with many things. <laughs> Your schedule is full, but one thing is needed. What is that big rock number one that Jesus is pointing out? It's a time with him and his word. I need it. How about you? How do we prepare, my friends, for the final events of the world's history that are already unfolding before our very eyes? How can we prepare and live through the time of the final events? It says here the only way in which men will be able to stand firm in the conflict is to be what? Rooted and grounded in Christ. They must receive the truth as it is in Jesus. It is only as the truth is presented thus that it can meet the wants of the soul. 
the preaching of Christ crucified, Christ our righteousness, is what satisfies the soul's hunger. How can we prepare for the events that are going to unfold before us? It is by making Jesus a priority. I like the quote from Steps to Christ. You probably know it. Consecrate yourself to God when? In the morning. morning. Make this your very first big rock, right? Make this big rock. Put it first. Put it in. And thus, day by day, you may be giving your life into the hands of God. And thus, your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. When we consecrate ourselves to Jesus, we will discover we will never be alone in this world. Because Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We will know for sure that God's grace is sufficient for me. We will experience peace. We will be trusting God as we look into unknown future. We'll have peace that passes all understanding. Do you want to have that peace today? Do you want to have that peace in your life, in your home, in your family? I pray that we find joy in inviting people in. I pray that we will be kind to people who are different from us. And I also pray that we cling to the peace of this one thing in the middle of ordinary and crazy life that we don't forget about Jesus the rock of our salvation. Amen. As we close, we'll sing the song. I invite the praise team to come up and we'll sing a song and and pray that God would help us um, to be people like Mary and Martha finding that one thing that is needed in Christ alone.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminder, again, coming from your word. A reminder that one thing is necessary, that one thing is needed for us to be firm, for us to be at peace, for us to be fruitful. Lord, I pray that as you speak to us, that there would be a response coming from our hearts. Help us to respond with a prayer. Lord, help me to make changes necessary in my life. Help me to put those big rocks first. Relationships with you, my family being filled with your spirit and being the person like you. Father, you said even if the parents and the children, the parents would give their gifts to the children in this world, much more the Heavenly Father would give the Holy Spirit to those that will ask. Help us to ask about your spirit. So we can be filled, transformed, revived. And that we can be closer to you day by day. I just pray that that would be experience of us individually and, and as a church family. Bless us, Lord, with your presence. Go with us from this place and help us to remember about one thing. Thank you, Lord, for being with us and blessing us with your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. Thank you again for coming and worshiping with us. Um, thank you to those who joined us in your homes. I wish you a wonderful um, and happy rest of the Sabbath day. Remember, we have a special series of meetings um, coming up starting today. So see if you can join us. It will be interactive after we listen to John Bradshaw. We will be sharing our thoughts and comments, and praying together. So it will be a fellowship on Zoom. So I'm looking forward to be reconnecting with you this afternoon and throughout the week. We'll be, we'll be taking turns with me and, and, and Slavic, our Bible worker. He will be taking uh, some of the days and uh, reviewing the material. And uh, that way, we'll stay connected. And we'll pray for the same thing, for the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, enjoy the rest of the day. God bless.